Welcome to School Choice Report, where we explore everything about one of the most important education topics. I'm your host, David Hardy. In this podcast, we'll be talking to experts, educators, and parents to get a deep dive into the world of school choice. Whether you're an advocate, skeptic, or just curious, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get started with the conversation. Today, my guest is Jeff Yast, founding managing partner of SIG, the highly successful trading firm here in the Delaware Valley. Jeff is known for his unwavering commitment to school choice, and he recently came up with an incredibly big idea that could revolutionize public education. Jeff has been a thought leader in school choice issues in Philadelphia and across the Commonwealth. He's also been helpful in his philanthropy by being able to help schools educate more children. I worked at a choice school, but I was unaware of the larger movement. It was Jeff who opened my eyes to the bigger picture. So today, we're going to have my guest, my friend, and our partner in this whole movement, Jeff Yass. Thank you, Dave. I'm honored to be here. And once we're doing the eye-opening conversation, it was uh, you who opened Janine's eyes, my wife, to how bad the public schools were. <laughs> and it was uh, you touring her around those schools that made her come home crying that, uh, <laughs> that uh, accelerated my uh, interest in school choice. So thank you, Dave. Well, I remember standing in a doorway of a Philadelphia public school where they had one line was full of Philadelphia police, and the other side was full of school district police, and right in the middle, two girls got into a big fight. And <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad you're here with me today. And first, let's just let's talk about your idea, because you, you have a pretty unique idea of reforming education and talking about giving a $13,000 voucher and putting $12,000 in the bank every year so the kids can come out with something. You, you explain it. The idea that I would like to see uh, picked up by politicians, and but particularly by the voters, is that if you look back 20 or 30 years in Philadelphia schooling, the amount of money spent per child in real terms after inflation has doubled. So from roughly 12500 to today, we spend $25,000 per kid in Philadelphia schools. Now, obviously, the results haven't gotten any better. In fact, they've gotten worse. So what is a simple arbitrage to do is say, let's go back to what we were spending 20 years ago, which would be 12500 Let's call it 13000 Give every child a $13,000 voucher and let them go wherever he wants to go. They can go to a Catholic school. They can go to a charter school. They can go to the private schools that would open up. They can go where, you know, any parochial school. They can have $13,000 for a bunch of parents to get together and homeschool their kids. Clearly, they would be better off with $13,000 voucher than they currently are now. But besides that, I would say, well, look, we're spending $25,000 on these kids. It's theoretically their money. I'm not asking for a spending reduction or a tax increase. Let's give them a choice where they get the $13,000 voucher, but they also get the remaining $12,000 that goes into their bank account when they're in kindergarten. Now, I'd like to see it go into the stock market, obviously, or something. But if let's just say you put it in a treasury bonds over 13 years from K through 13, we're assuming average rates of returns, 
every kid would graduate at the age of 19 with about $200,000 in the bank. So think of this. We don't cut spending. We don't raise taxes. We don't do anything. We just give parents and their kids the choice of taking the money that is currently being spent on them and they can go to the school of their choice and they can graduate with $200,000. So the whole narrative about the hopelessness and despair in low-income communities, I think, would largely be eliminated because every kid is going to be talking when they're 10 years old, what are you going to do with your 200 grand? Are you mm-hmm. going to start a business? Right. Are you going to go to college? <laughs> are you going to buy a house? Are you going to go on vacation? Yeah. What are you going to do? So there will be hope and optimism as opposed to dis, you know uh, you know hopelessness and despair that that we currently have now and the whole education system would be reconfigured because it would be hey i know i got a kid he's going to have $200,000 when he graduates what does he need to know mm-hmm. you know right. because, uh, you know does he know need to know how to start a business does he need to know how to buy a house right. and know what a mortgage is what does he need to know as opposed to the current system now is well we'll just teach you a bunch of nonsense we never hear from you again and you're gone now this idea is not very brilliant. It's incredibly, incredibly obvious when you just look back and say, how did we double spending over the last 20 or 30 years with zero results? And the answer is simple. It's just special interests and adults who are depravedly indifferent to the, to the, to the suffering of children, aka the teachers union. Well, I was going to say, this is, I've heard this idea before because you presented this idea at ThinkFest, which is Supposedly, a place for new ideas to be put on stage in Philadelphia. So I saw you do this presentation, and I'm sitting there going, wow, this is incredible. But there was no reaction to this, not good or not bad. There was nobody who said, Jeff, Yash, you're crazy. I wouldn't do that. You're out of your mind. There's nobody who said, that's a good idea, but let's tweak it a little. There was no conversation at all. Why do you think that was? Yeah, that's true, Dave. It's like no one called me up. This was a thing fest. I think it was hosted by Philadelphia Magazine. And, you know, I was trying to get the idea out. And no one called me up and said, you're a moron. Uh, This won't work. Your math math is wrong. (laughs) This isn't going to happen, right? The left's playbook, and it works, is if there's an idea that is so devastating to our core philosophy— we don't challenge it because that's only going to give it, you know, more credence. We just ignore it. We ignore it. And if we can't ignore it, we will have ad hominem attacks on the person who's, bring, who's, who's raising it. So if they ignored it and that works, if it ever gets out there, I don't want it to be my idea. It's just an idea. Because if it's my idea, well, you're an evil uh, options trader and we don't really count what you have to say. We don't want to discuss the idea. So it's been very successful. Uh, you know, I'm on a full scale mission now to get the idea out there. There's a lot of momentum. We've made a lot of progress, obviously, in a lot of states with, you know, you know, Arizona, Utah or uh, West Virginia, hopefully Texas and Georgia and certainly Florida. And there's momentum. Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. There's a lot of momentum building, but it's still not enough. And no one has really still connected how much waste and how much fraud there is in the system that if we just return that money to the children, you know, they can't spend it until they're 19 or whatever, then essentially all poverty in America uh, would disappear, which is a you know, good yeah. thing, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you for that, yeah. Dave? Oh, I'm for that. <laughs> hey, you know, hold up, hold up, though. You know, 
I've sat, I've sat in school board meetings and in city council where pe- when people talked about improving public schools, somebody, some teacher from the back would yell out, well, you have to get rid of poverty first. Well, here it is. <laughs> yeah, here you okay. Go. Here you go. <laughs> no more poverty. There you I, go. I, I, and the other thing, the 200,000 is very nice, but most economists sort of agree the difference between like what would be considered a pretty good education and a pretty bad education is about a million dollars over the lifetime of a student. Million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but if you're going to be working for 40 years, it's $25,000 a year, which is a reasonable number. So if you multiply a million by the 60 million kids who are in the system right now, you're talking about $60 trillion of wealth that would be created (laughs) by giving them a good education. That doesn't count the $200,000 a kid. All right. Hey, hey, you forgot the important thing. Without raising any money right it's the no. same money <laughs> same money <laughs> well you know you're the odd duck in this thing because most people say we need more money to be invested in public education why won't that work uh because you're just because we, we've done that and in let's say philadelphia in the last six years we've gone from having 134,000 kids to 117,000 the district schools we gave it more money and while the number of students went down by 12%, the number of people working in the system went up by 20% from 17,000 to 20,000. So they'll just hire people to do nothing, which is why the spending has doubled with no results. So if you give them money, they're not going to help the child. They're just going to hire people, hire more who, people who do absolutely nothing. It's a jobs program, the education system in America. It's not to educate the kids. It's to stuff the union the unions with money and with jobs and with power. And if you look at what just happened, the the, the tragedy in Chicago, they spend $30,000 a year in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So Philadelphia could be proud of itself that we might not be the most dysfunctional city on the planet. Chicago's right in there with us. Oh, and yeah. all the mayor says is it's not enough money. But look, our kids aren't doing. Let's raise taxes and let's give the teachers union more money. And they backed him. They gave him nine million bucks. They got the vote out and he went. And no one talks about, well, we used to give you 15,000. Now we give you 30. Nothing's happened. As a matter of fact, it's arguably gotten worse. Why is going from 30 to 33 going to make any difference? And it costs. And of course, it won't because no one cares about the children. It's just special interest caring about the adults and the people aren't informed enough when they, they say, hey, look, education's good. I like education. Who doesn't like education? Why not give it more money? They never ask, well, how much money does it get? How much, you know, how much is at what point is enough enough? And at what point does it really not make any difference how much money you give them? Because none of it is going to go to helping children. You know, I was trying to think of this the other day. Can you think of anything else that works like public education? (laughs) (laughs) No. They control the narrative. They overspend and tell you it's not enough. And when you say it needs to get better, they say, well, give us more money. Yeah. <laughs> and the more dysfunctional they are, the more they get. More money. You know, I'll yeah. take the Motor Vehicle Bureau. I don't particularly like going to the Motor Vehicle Bureau, but I needed a new license. I eventually got one. It worked. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. right. It comes in the mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine if we were getting started today and there was a free market in education and everybody was happy. They were going to the schools of their choice, different kind of schools for different kids, and it cost X. And the Teachers Union said, I have an idea. 
let's let's have it cost 2x and have one government monopoly uh, to run this thing. <laughs> now, it would be hysterical. It would never happen. No. So when you reverse engineer it, you realize this is insane. And the teachers union and the left, they know this and they know that if it gets cracked and that's all that's why they support so hard against boys Latin, because you can stop boys Latin in its track. And boys Latin was, the, you know, the charter school that Dave founded. And they almost did. I mean, at one point, I thought it was more likely oh, than not yeah. that, that, that they would. But they know that once you open that charter school, there is no way in hell that it's ever going to close if the parents like it. Because your parents right. are going to fight like hell to keep it open and no politician dare go there. So they know that if, it, if choice happens and uh, the parents get to see it, they're going to fight like hell for it. If they kill it in the crypt and they don't let it get started and the parents don't know what they're missing, then they have a chance. Yes. And that's why they fight so hard against every single new uh, uh, choice program there is. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because back in 2015, there was like 40 applications for charter schools. They wound up passing five. OK. But I looked at those 40 of those 35 that didn't get passed. There are probably 20 to 25 really good ideas. Now, if the school district was really interested in the kids, okay, they, they didn't pass the charter school, but they take those ideas and run with them. You didn't see any of that. <laughs> no, they're not interested in that. No. And I would say that the whole reason why choice works and, you know, charter school movement's part of it is if you open a school and it's no good, it shuts down. Just right. like a restaurant. You open yes. it up. People don't like it. It shuts down. The whole idea of charter schools is that they will be allowed to fail. And there's no doubt there's a lot of bad ones. So the parents leave and, and, and they go away. The bad district schools, the government schools, they never go away. So the whole idea of making things better is if we have a bad idea, we admit it. We humbly admit it. We shut it down. The parents say, I'm not going here anymore. And then they move on to something better. And the system of evolves where there's constant improvement as opposed to now where there is zero improvement. Well, you brought up an interesting thing about shutting down because there's a school in my old neighborhood, North Philly, called Strawberry Mansion. Okay. And about five years ago, I looked at Strawberry Mansion. It's a school built for 2,000 students. It had 169 students in it. But of that 169 students, only 17 came from Strawberry Mansion. So the neighborhood in Strawberry Mansion shut that school down, but the school district kept it open for the jobs. There's your, there's your example clearly right there, <laughs> yeah. right there. In, in Chicago, there are 55 schools where zero children are on grade level. Wow. And, you know, Brandon Johnson's not going to shut down any of them. No. Like, what's the downside of shutting a school where zero kids are on grade level? And the unions fight so hard. And not only are they not going to get shut down, they're probably going to get more money. No, I, I, I would go the other way. What is the purpose of keeping a school open when zero kids are learning? I mean, it, it, can you imagine them having a place where the, the poor get fed and nobody gets any food? <laughs> you know, would they keep that up? I mean, this is I'm telling you, nothing works like public education. Yeah, All right. So listen. What drives you to do what you do? You know, I always said to you and your wife, I always said, look, if you guys supported hospitals, everybody would love you. Nobody would criticize you. You, you stepped into the lion's den here. Uh -huh. What makes you do this? 
I'll tell you, because the same way that I look at, you know, situations in the stock market or the options market or the racetrack or sports betting or poker, you're looking for opportunities where something irrational is going on. So you can, you know, in my business, so I can bet on it and make money. Right. There is nothing going on in America that is as fundamentally as irrational and as harmful to people as the education system. Yes. Yes, so, yes, yes. you know, if you give to a hospital, that's very nice. But, you know, they sort of don't really need any more money. It's not a matter of money for them for the most part. The school system needs a radical transformation. And we're talking about $60 trillion. So if I can add $60 trillion of wealth to the world, I'd be uh, be very proud of myself. Well, that, that, that's interesting because the critics say you just want to gut public education, the lower taxes. Right. That one, okay, you probably even want to talk about it. No, go ahead. This is the one go that ahead. gets me, that you're profiteering <laughs> off of public education. If you're profiteering <laughs> off public education, you're the worst businessman in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to that, I would say, if anybody wants a piece of my action, you're welcome in. <laughs> you can have all you want. You know, I'm looking for partners. Okay. Yeah, I hear this you. is not a good business. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what made you angry about this? What What is it that, because I, I know I'm angry. I know most of the people who do this are angry. What made, what pissed you off? <laughs> what pissed me off is you see the suffering, you know, that, you know, and I know everybody tries to reduce suffering. There's really very few people in the world who aren't, if they are in the position to, to reduce suffering, wouldn't do it. And when, you know, I analyzed it. I really read Milton Friedman. There is nothing that compares to the suffering uh, that could be alleviated very easily if we got rid of the uh, government monopoly in education. It's not hard to fix this problem. We have the ability to do it. We just need the voters to go out there and saying, I can't take it anymore. This is insanity. And we're going to we're going to uh, fix it. Well, listen, besides public policy, solutions. You're also a philanthropist who's making pretty major investments to directly help children. Tell us about the Yas Prize and some of your other philanthropic efforts. Well, the the Yas Prize was really uh, invented by my wife, and she started the uh, STOP Awards, uh, S-T-O-P, standing for Sustainable Transformation Outstanding and Permissionless. She got disgusted begging school boards for charter schools and having to go through the process and begging them to, to start this. And she, you know, she also, we gave, you know, she's given a lot of money to, to, to scholarship funds, but they're not sustainable. Right. So what she wanted to do was reward entrepreneurs around the country. And there are thousands of them, and particularly with COVID. So, for example, there was a, uh, like a Franklin Institute kind of science center in uh, Missouri, and all the schools were closed and the parents were, you know, going nuts. And the guy said, I'm not at, you know, it's not a school, but I can take your kids in and I can, you know, the, the, the unions had closed the schools, but I'll take them in. I'll take care of your kids. We're in like a little museum and, and I'll work with them and I'll teach them and I'll be happy. So he was the first winner of the prize. He got a million dollar prize. Right. And the idea is, wow, what an entrepreneur, what thinking, at, you know, what innovative thinking. And it's sustainable because now the school is so popular that 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 it can fund itself, hopefully, and keep on going. It's transformational because 
like now everyone realizes you might be an educator. You know, you might be running a, uh, you know, a museum, but there's a, there might be a school inside of that, outside of that. And, you know, it's outstanding, obviously, but most importantly, it's permissionless. We don't have to ask the government to run this thing. We could just do it without the government getting in our way, without the union shutting it down. So we're looking for those, those entrepreneurs all around the country. And if you go to the Ospreys website, you'll, you know, you'll see where you can apply. We get thousands of, of applicants and we pick, you know, the top uh, 64 and they all get some prize and one person's the grand prize winner. So we want to spark the entrepreneurial revolution that will have to happen if these kids have money to go to go to their own schools. And uh, that's the idea there. Yeah, it's a wonderful idea. And, and you know, I think about I, I was watching this movie uh, a couple of weeks ago, The Apartment. It's about love affair going on in a insurance company in 1960 in New York. So an insurance company in 1960 New York is this big tall building with floors and floors of people sitting at desks. No insurance company looks like that today. Not one. If you look at a movie from a school from 1960, and you look <laughs> at school today, yeah. not a whole lot of difference, is no. it? I mean, there might be some, you know, there might be a computer in the room. But they're not using it. <laughs> you know? A whiteboard would be radical, right? Yeah. Right, right. But the fact is, is that everything has changed dramatically over the past 30, 40 years, mainly because of technology, but also the way things are delivered. I mean, you you don't even have to go to McDonald's anymore. You can have McDonald's <laughs> you. I mean, life is different, except in school. They want to keep these kids. It's almost like they think they own the children. Yeah. Well, remember, uh, McAuliffe in Virginia, he said the quiet part out loud. He said, don't you tell, don't, I don't want no parents telling the teachers how to raise their kids, right, what to right. teach their kids. And that's something. So I, I think the insanity of America is we have a Soviet style system of education, one size fits all, you know, government control. And we expect to have anything other than Soviet style results. You know, we'll have the same, you know, horrible economy that they have if we follow the same philosophy. So this is an ideas contest. If you have the wrong ideas, if you believe in a government monopoly, it's going to be a disaster, just like it is in the Soviet Union. There's nothing magical about America that we can have that same philosophy and escape it. Well, you know, the, the thing I think about when, when we talk about stuff like this is John Stossel used to do this show, this commercial that they did. In I think it was Czechoslovakia for a car. Yeah, and it is a crappy car. It looks like it's <laughs> gonna fall over when you turn the corner. But they're talking about it like it's a Lexus. and that's that's kind of what you hear about the the democracy of public education and the caring for children. And then you go into these places and you don't see any of that stuff happening. <laughs> yeah. No, it's exactly you know, the same thing. They had a government monopoly in Czechoslovakia. Guess what? They didn't have a good car company. Yeah. You know? And guess what? The people of Czechoslovakia didn't have a choice to buy a good car. And they accepted it as like, okay, I guess that's what happens in the world. Like it's a it's a it's endemic in nature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, where where have you seen your investments in education make an impact? And what what are some of the victories that you celebrate? The victories, you know, now, uh, you know, you got to get lucky now, you know, because of COVID, the unions have been exposed 
shutting down schools because they just wanted a two-year snow day, you know, and torturing, you know, poor, uh, you know, particularly, you know, poor women who had to stay home with their kids, couldn't go to their jobs and were going nuts because their kids were right. home, home yeah. all day. Right. That got people going. So we see these uh, ESAs, uh, you know, uh, education savings accounts popping up in all, you know, in a lot of states. But so far, it's only the red states. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen in, you know, in Massachusetts and California, New York. You know, it's not going to happen in a a dark blue state. But once these experiments happen, and Milton Friedman said this, you know, years ago, once you really run the great experiment and you show people how how horrific the monopolistic uh, system is compared to a uh, a free market system. Then people will say, "Hey, how come the schools are so great in you know in Iowa and they stink here? What do they do that we don't do?" And I'm hopeful that if we just get a couple of states really going and they're really successful, which you know I fully expect they will be, then everyone wakes up and says, "Oh my God, I can't believe we've been doing this for the last sixty years." Yeah, I think you're right. So there also are limits to philanthropy in doing this. I mean, if you wanted to, you could spend all your money just sending kids to other schools, especially when money is being spent. You know, you know, I talk to your wife about this all the time. It's their money. How can we get their money spent on children as opposed to philanthropy? Yeah, well, that's the idea in the Stop Award of permissionless. I remember, I think it was Bloomberg who told a story that a bunch of hedge fund guys said to him, hey, we'll give you a lot of scholarships because the school system's, you know, dysfunctional and we want to help. And he said, oh, really? That's interesting. New York City spends at that time was like $25 billion a year. You're going to give me a couple of hundred million dollars and think it's going to make a damn bit of difference when the government has $25 billion and you got a couple of hundred million. So philanthropy is just too small to compete. You know, the government is going to spend close to $800 billion this year in education. Right. So there is no philanthropy in the world that has any power to disrupt that uh, You know, significantly. The only solution is political, is you got to win elections. You got to get that money to follow that kid. We got to get that $800 billion to the children, not to special interests and not to, lit, not to teachers unions. And that's why, you know, I spend most of my time really trying to figure out what what political angle I can take to help liberate this eight hundred billion dollars. So what does mission accomplished look like for you? What what's your vision for what you're working for? Mission accomplishes every dime that is currently spent right now goes directly to the child. You know, the parent. Money goes to the child. Yeah. Interesting concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Jeff, I'm taking a lot of your time. I really appreciate you being on here with me today. I want to say thank you for all the stuff you've done for the kids in Philly and for you to to do what you've done without a dog in the fight. I think it's been amazing. So thank you for being here today. And like I said, thank you for everything you've done for I want to come right back at you, Dave, because it's not easy being a black man standing up to the left (laughs) the way you do. I'd like to thank Jeff Yass for joining us today and explaining that big idea that he has. That's it for today's episode of School Choice Report. I hope you found the conversation enlightening and informative. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us at schoolchoicereport.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. 
Until next time, this is David Hardy signing off. Thanks for tuning in.